Well, we have already witnessed a sermon in baptism this morning. And uh, man, I get emotional when I'm up there with those precious children who have given all they know to give to Jesus and the difference they want to make in this world for Him. And um, since we haven't had baptism on a Sunday morning service in a while, I wanted to bring a message on baptism. Why are we called Baptists? Why do we baptize the way we do? What does it mean? Why is the mode of immersion so significant? And so I want to talk about that this morning and use from my passage of Scripture Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. I have preached sections of this passage before, but I'm going to give you the whole context this morning. Acts 8, 26 says, An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road, and he rose and went. And behold, an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a minister of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was, re was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go up and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture which he was reading was this, as a sheep led to the slaughter or a lamb before its shearer is dumb, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for his life is taken up from the earth? And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom pray does this prophet say this about himself or about someone else? And so Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news of Jesus. Some translations say the gospel of Jesus. And as they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What is to prevent my being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water... The Spirit of the Lord caught up Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing on, he preached the gospel to all the towns till he came to Caesarea. Let's bow together. Father, as we come this morning, not only to witness the ordinance of baptism, but to think about it based on Scripture. Help us to value it. Help us to understand it. Help us to follow it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are, after all, called Baptists. You ever wondered why? Why is that such a significant indication about who we are and why we believe that it become the moniker that we are known by? When I meet with these children on Wednesday before baptism, I tell them that we practice two things when it comes to baptism. We practice believer's baptism by immersion, which says we believe baptism is for those who of their own free will and volition have invited Jesus into their hearts and become believers in him. And the mode is immersion. And I want to talk about that this morning, the how and the when and the why of baptism. That's the sermon title this morning. 
You may not realize this, but our original name Baptist was given to us to make fun of us. 400 years ago, some folks over in England were studying the Bible and they said, you know what? People were baptized after they professed their faith in Jesus. And they were baptized by being immersed completely in water. And so they began to preach believers' baptism by immersion and they were persecuted for it. As a matter of fact, they were called Anabaptists. Anna meaning again or a second time because many of them had been baptized as infants. And so to be baptized by immersion upon your profession of faith, many saw as being baptized again. And so the name Anabaptist became a term of derision. And they made fun of our ancestors and our forebears for baptizing after a profession of faith by immersion. Those who criticized them said, you are killing the souls of infants because they believed that if you were not baptized when you died, that you were going to hell. And infants, when the infant mortality rate was high, were not baptized. They said they were separated forever from God. And they persecuted the Anabaptist or the Baptist for not baptizing infants prior to their death. And so they were persecuted and they were killed for standing for their beliefs about baptism. Why is it such a big deal? Why were they willing to go to the stake to die for their beliefs? Well, the New Testament thought it was important. Jesus thought it was important. And so I believe baptism is important. And I want this morning to explain why. First of all, the how of baptism It's pretty plain in the New Testament. How was baptism done in the New Testament? If this is our model to follow, how did they baptize in the New Testament? Well, you may be surprised to know that the Greek word baptizo literally means to dip or immerse. It comes from the blacksmith shop. When the blacksmith is fashioning metal, he takes his tongs and he picks up a piece of of hot metal this red hot, and he plunges it completely into the water to cool it off. And the Greek word baptizo was used for that procedure, what he was doing to plunge hot metal under the water. It means to immerse, it means to dip. And for the first 800 years of church history, they practiced baptism by immersion. Even the the Catholic church, the first eight centuries had baptism by immersion. They eventually converted it to sprinkling. Why? Because it was simply easier and more convenient to do so, particularly in the winter months in Europe when it was so cold. Baptism by immersion became, they thought, too great a hardship. And so they began sprinkling. So for 800 years, the church was sprinkling when it was baptizing. And King James calls some folks together and he says, I want you to translate the Hebrew and Greek Bibles into English for me and call the King James Version in 1611. And so these these guys get together, these translators, experts in Hebrew and Greek, and they begin translating and they get to the word baptize in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I wish I had been a fly on the wall in that room where this word came up and they began to discuss it. Because they said, Greek experts, they said, well, the word here means baptizo. It means to dip or immerse. 
but the Church of England is sprinkling. What are we going to do? If we translate it accurately, the church might kick us out. King James might kill us. We can't translate it sprinkle because everybody knows baptizo doesn't mean sprinkle, all of the translators. So what did they do? They just coined a new word. They transliterated the Greek word baptizo and made up an English word baptize to go with it, hoping that no one would ever realize that baptize literally referred to a Greek word that means to dip or immerse. So a correct translation, since I don't have to worry about what the Church of England is going to think of me, Matthew 28, 19 of the Greek would say, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, immersing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Would be actually a more accurate translation of the Greek word baptizo in verse 19. Philip took the Ethiopian eunuch down into the water in verse 38. In verse 39, they came up out of the water. So obviously, they went down, the eunuch was immersed, and they both came up out of the water. A second reason to baptize by immersion is to follow the model of Jesus. It was the way he was baptized. He walked, you realize he walked 40 miles to be baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, some water from that river we used in baptism this morning. And Jesus was baptized by immersion, not because it was convenient, not because it was easy, but because it was the only mode of baptism that they knew at that time. There was no such thing as sprinkling or splashing or, or dousing. It was all by immersion. Jesus had taken baptism from the Jewish ritual of purification because when the Jews were rendered unclean by coming, coming into contact with anyone unclean or eating unclean food, they went through a series of ritual baptisms by immersion to cleanse themselves. And so Jesus took that Jewish ritual and instilled it with new meaning and said, when you baptize from here on out, it's being baptized in my name. It's being baptized into me. It's being baptized to signify the salvation that that person has experienced on the inside. Why is the method or the mode of immersion so important? Because it is wrapped up in the meaning. And if you change the mode, if you change the method, you're changing the meaning. Because it means the washing away of sins and the dying to self and coming up to a new way of life. And there's no other mode that pictures that, that symbolizes that, other than dipping or immersion. So that's how the early church baptized and why it was changed to sprinkling later on as a matter of convenience. We're called people of the book, Baptist are. And so if we're going to be people of the book, let's do things the way the book says. Secondly, that's the how. What about the when? When should someone be baptized? Well, Jesus put it like this in the Great Commission. Go first make disciples and then immerse them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Make a disciple of someone and then when they begin to follow me, when they give their lives to me, when they have been forgiven of their sins, then baptize them. So that's the order. Make disciples and then baptize. What does that rule out? Well, that rules out infant baptism. 
Sometimes I'll be talking to someone and they will say, I was baptized as a baby or I was baptized as an infant. And I'll, I'll smile and say, I, I realize that was an important time of dedication for your family. But there's no infant baptism in the Bible. There is nowhere in the Bible where any infant is baptized. So not as infants. And secondly, it's not for salvation. Some denominations have what they call baptismal regeneration, which means that baptism has some saving effect on the life of a person. And, and Jesus begins the salvation when you profess your faith in him, but it's not complete until you are baptized. And so some churches actually keep their baptistry full all the time. So if anyone makes a profession of faith, they baptize them on the spot before they leave the sanctuary, lest going home they experience an accident or have a heart attack and die and their salvation has not been made complete. I would argue against that because I believe that the cross is sufficient for salvation. Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, forgave us of our sins and offered us forgiveness and eternal life. And his cross is sufficient in and of itself. And Paul argued all through his letter to the Galatians that if you add anything to, to the cross as, as necessary for salvation, then what you're saying is that the cross alone is insufficient. And Paul would say that's not true, that's heresy. The cross saved us. But baptism is important nevertheless. And so we do it to obey Jesus. It's not for salvation because you remember the thief on the cross as he was dying, say, he said, Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. So obviously the thief on the cross was not immersed, but he died and went with Jesus to heaven. When should we be baptized? I have here in your bulletin outline ASAP, as soon as possible. If not as a baby, if not for salvation, then when should you be baptized? as soon after you profess your public faith in Jesus, as soon after that as humanly possible. Baptism is like an inauguration ceremony. It's not a graduation ceremony where you say, I have done everything and I have completed my requirements and now I'm going to be baptized. Baptism is an inauguration ceremony that says, I've given my heart to Jesus and now I belong to him. It's like getting married, and right after you uh, profess your vows to one another, you put a wedding band on. You don't wait for a six-month probationary period before you put a wedding band on. You say, no, I give my vows to Susan. I put this band on. It says, now I belong to Susan. Believe me, I belong to Susan. <laughs> and she belongs to me. And when you're baptized, you say, I've given my heart to Jesus, and now I belong to him. If you are saved and you've never been, had believers baptism by immersion, what are you waiting for? Someone will call me and say, my son, my daughter prayed last night to receive Jesus. What should I do? I said, you bring them in here and let's talk as soon as possible. 
because I want, to, I want them to, to know what they have done, I want them to understand what they have done, and I want to get them baptized as soon as possible. Strike while the iron is hot. Help them to know and understand fully what they are doing. And then without delay, have believers' baptism by immersion. So that's the win. Not as infants, not for salvation, but as soon as possible after they profess their faith in Jesus. And finally, why? If baptism doesn't save you, if Jesus saves you, if you are saved the moment that you profess your faith in him and invite him into your heart and he cleanses you and forgives you of your sins, why bother with being immersed? What if you're shy? What if you don't want to come up in front of people? Why is it so important? Well, if you don't listen to anything else I say this morning, if it hasn't convinced you of its importance, let me give you one final reason why it's important. It's because Jesus commanded it. Because Jesus told us to do so. And so when we get baptized, we are acting in obedience to him. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, literally immersing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So these six who were baptized this morning have been made disciples. They have been immersed in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And now comes the third part of that commandment. Teach them. Disciple them. Teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always. So why is baptism important? Because Jesus ordained it. He commanded it. It's a mandate from him. It's not a suggestion. He doesn't say, I know that, that you're saved. I know you're a Christian. I know you're going to heaven. And baptism is optional. He doesn't say that. Why? Because he wants us to be bold in our profession of him. And if we are ashamed of him, then he's ashamed of us. But if we confess him, then he will confess us. So if you have been saved and are a follower of Jesus, but you have never had believer's baptism by immersion, it doesn't mean you're not saved. It just means you haven't been obedient. And it's hard to grow in your relationship with Jesus without obedience. I, there's, a, there's something in common here between the Ethiopian eunuch and Paul and the Philippian jailer in Acts 16. Look at this in Acts 8, verse 39. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught up Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. And then over in Acts 16, the Philippian jailer is saved. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all that were in his house. Acts 16 verse 33. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds and he was immersed at once with all his family and he brought them up into his house and set food before them and he rejoiced with all his household that he had believed in God. Obedience brings joy. The Ethiopian eunuch went on his way rejoicing the Philippian jailer and his whole family believed and were baptized and they were filled with joy. Being baptized doesn't make you a Christian any more than wearing a ring makes you married. But it is a testimony. It is a symbol of what Jesus has done for you. And just as baptism is a symbol and just as the Lord's Supper is a symbol, the bread and the cup, do not underestimate the value of symbols. The American flag 
is a symbol. But a symbol is, is something that represents a greater reality. And so baptism is a reality that we belong to Jesus. Baptism will not save you. Jesus saves you. But once he saved you, he has commanded that we be baptized. So saved, then baptized by immersion upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Bow with me. Father, I praise you for these six precious lives that came through the baptismal waters this morning. That in their perfect time and way professed their faith in you, their trust in you, and invited you into their hearts to forgive them of their sins and become their Savior and Lord. And then they were obedient in baptism, and I know there's joy in their lives right now because of that obedience. And I pray, Lord, if there are others here today who are followers of yours but have never been baptized, let your Holy Spirit bring conviction. There's nothing I say can do it. Only you can. If there's some here today who have never professed their faith publicly in you, speak to them, draw them unto yourself. And God, I thank you that we have an opportunity not only to believe in you privately, but also to profess in you publicly. And let us not be ashamed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.